Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you. We'll share some of our experience as counselors, business owners, and most important of all, as everyday people. Hi, and welcome to Shrink Think, a podcast that explores the human experience from two therapists' perspective, with a little humor and a lot of compassion to help you understand yourself and learn new ways of being. Welcome to our show. Today we have on a very special guest. Her name is Whitney Owens. She's a licensed professional counselor and private practice consultant. She lives in Savannah, Georgia, where she owns a group private practice called Water's Edge Counseling. And in addition to running her practice, she offers individual and group consulting through Practice of the Practice. Whitney places a special emphasis on helping clinicians start and grow faith-based practices. Whitney has spoken at the Licensed Professional Counselors Association of Georgia's annual convention and at Kilnet Camp, which is where Nathan and I met her last year, 2019. She has also been interviewed about mental health issues on several media outlets, including WSAV in Savannah and in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Whitney is also a wife and mother of two beautiful girls, and we are so excited to have her on. Now, when we recorded this episode, we had a few technical problems, so uh, we are still learning in our podcast, so bear with us, but we hope you enjoy the interview. Whitney is an amazing person that I'm excited to have on. Welcome to our podcast, Whitney. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Yeah, so far so good, I guess. We just wanted to find out some stuff about you and learn a bit about your movement through the business and your personal life. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Whitney Owens. I live in Savannah, Georgia, and hopefully you guys know where that is. But if you don't, it's on the coast of Georgia. So I'm very close to the beach, which is really nice. You probably also can hear my wonderful Southern accent. I'm actually originally from Georgia, and I went to the University of Georgia for college, so go dogs. I spent some time out in Colorado after that. My husband had gotten a scholarship to Denver Seminary, so we got to live in Colorado, which is a wonderful place to live if you ever get the chance to move there. That was where I started doing um, my clinical work. I worked at a psychiatric hospital and also did a practice on the side. And then came back to Georgia about five years ago, started a private practice here. Never thought I would have a group practice, but that's what happened. (laughs) And never knew I was going to be a consultant. And that's also what happened. So currently my practice has six clinicians, including myself, um, two admins. And then I also do consulting for faith-based practices through Practice the Practice. Wow. Sounds like you are a busy woman. (laughs) <laughs> how, how do you balance all of that as, as a working mom, as a wife? How do, you balance, how do you juggle all of those different activities? Yes, that's a question I have to ask myself like every single day. <laughs> I have two children. Um, one is seven and the other is four. And she also is a special needs child. She's been diagnosed with autism. So that definitely brings another spin into things. Every day is definitely a challenge. Every day I have to sit and think, okay, what are the things I need to do today? What are the things that I don't need to do today? So some of it's just prioritizing each day as it comes. But the big thing I'm always telling moms is get help. 
Like you don't have to wear every hat and be perfect at it. I have to get a lot of help for my child. Um, I have therapists that come into the home and work with her, or I have to get a babysitter so that I can do my work or maybe just get a babysitter so I can get something done at home. So that's a big part of it is getting extra help and just prioritizing the important things. Wow. Well, I, you know, that's one thing it's, as you mentioned that, that really stuck out to me about you in the beginning when we first met you over last year now, actually, Matt Killen at camp was you were mentioning how you were just going along and you thought with your, with your counseling practice and you were like, Oh, I think I might want to do this group thing. And I can't remember exactly what the start of that was. And I'm also kind of asking you about that now. And then you kind of learned it and you're like, okay, I'll go do that. And I was like, wow, this lady just kind of (laughs) asked some questions and then they were like, do it this way. And you're like, okay, that's how it came across. How, How did that transition happen for you? I love how you described the way you experienced me because you just said it away the way a lot of people say it. I come off as kind of tough and like big deal, I guess, like I can really accomplish a lot, but you don't see the inside where I'm like, oh gosh, can I really do this? You know, and and so part of it is honestly, part of it is me listening to what I feel like God wants me to do and doing it right, and that He gives me that strength to be able to do the thing I need to do because I come off a lot different than I actually feel on the inside. <laughs> yeah, that is really interesting. And that was my impression as well. I remember uh, sitting across from you at the lunch table at that camp before, I think the like later that day or the next day, you were presenting, speaking on uh, your like faith and practice um, segment. And I just remember thinking, wow, this person seems like she's got it all together. She's so far you know, ahead of where I'm at. And so to hear, like, as I've gotten to know you, I've gotten to know a little bit of that behind the scenes, like I'm still figuring this stuff out and I've got some of those fears and insecurities. And I guess that's the one thing I'm really curious about that we're really trying to promote on this podcast is there are a lot of people that do a lot of amazing things that are inspiring out there. And to me, you're one of them for sure. And when you get to know these people, they're kind of everyday people at the same time. You do some amazing things, but you're an everyday person. I guess, what are those behind the scenes challenges that you have faced and how have you faced those? Like, how have you actually dealt with those? Yeah. Thank you for your kind words. I I really appreciate that. Um, Yeah. So I think my biggest challenge is doubting myself and doubting my ability. And when I do that, I really have to go back and look at what I have accomplished because everything brings new challenges, right? (laughs) There's this pastor that my husband likes to quote down here in the South. And he always says, uh, new levels, new devils. (laughs) And it's so true. It's like every time I feel the call or the, I don't know, being asked to take a new step of faith, it does bring up like all the insecurities, all the doubt, because honestly, every time we go to a new level, it should bring more doubt than before because it's going to be harder than it was before. Every time is a little bit harder, but being able to have that faith and that security. And I think a lot of that comes from looking at what's happened before. Like, Hey, like when I started doing the faith-based consulting, I was scared. Like when you talk about me getting up and talking that day, I actually really do like getting up in front of people. That's kind of fun for me. I get energized, but being at Killing at Camp was really difficult for me. I had never, I didn't have a consulting person yet. That was when I first started talking about the fact that I do consulting. I actually got my first consulting person at Killing at Camp. So it's interesting to kind of hear you talk about your experience of me there as I was really nervous about this new role that I was in. 
but then when I would feel nervous about it, I would go back and be like, okay, what I know is that I started a practice and it worked. I know that I added clinicians and it worked. I know that Joe believes in me as a consultant and that says something. You know, I think it's important that we not only look at our past, but we also look at the, the people that believe in us, the people that care about us and know our giftings because I can doubt myself, but someone on the outside can see my strength in a different kind of way. And so I think those two variables have really helped me take every step forward as I've kind of relied on the past and relied on my relationships. That makes a lot of sense. I'm wondering if you back up a little bit before you had as much success as you're currently experiencing, what did you draw from or how did you move from, you know, I'm thinking of an experience where I'll be with a early in my counseling I was sitting with this person and they're telling me all these things. And my first thought was, wow, this person needs a counselor. And (laughs) there I am, right? So (laughs) I'm like, well, I guess that's me. Um, That's going to be fun. I guess backing up a bit when you kind of first started out, how did that work for you? I love that you said that. I've had the exact same experience with clients and actually more recently. (laughs) So yeah, you can be doing this for a long time and still have that thought. You know, some of it, some of it really like it was small things at the beginning. So like the idea of going to college, like I remember that being really stressful, trying to decide which college to go to and being really scared to go to college. I had never left my hometown, never moved anywhere else. And so the idea of going to the University of Georgia, that was like five hours away from my hometown. That was a big step for me. And now looking back, that seems smaller than some of the other things. But at the time, that was a really big deal. So I do think looking at those really small things, and they're all building on each other, right? Pointing us in the right direction for where we need to go. And then so much also is just having my faith. Like, I feel like my faith is the cornerstone of the decisions that I make. And knowing that even if it's wrong, like God is with me in this. And if I don't do the things I feel called to, I'm going to regret it. I'm not going to know how great it could have been. So I just have to keep trying knowing that he's with me in it. And you know what? You're going to, I think I just heard this on a podcast the other day, failing yourself to success. Like you have to keep failing before you can actually reach success. So with that, that makes a lot of sense. And that's really encouraging because it, it sounds so much more achievable. You know, when Nathan and I first met you in Colorado last year, you know, we were just joining you on your journey at a certain point, not realizing all those little steps that you had taken along the way. So of course, to us, it looked like you had just taken some giant leap. But to you, it sounds like it was a whole bunch of smaller steps. Of course, each one was in and of itself sort of a scary, doubtful, uh, maybe an insecure sort of a step. But you just kept taking it and looking back and realizing, okay, this is working. How do you actually handle the the failures and the successes that you've experienced? Like, How do you not take those personally? I do take them personally. <laughs> well, how do you do that? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sitting, <laughs> as soon as we start talking about failures, like my mind was swarming. Oh, and this happened and this and this. Um, so, so for me, the failures, I think most of them get easier with time, right? It's just like, you know what to expect. And like I said, you could look at the past and go, oh, well, I failed at this time and I got over it. <laughs> that makes me think of dating, like, when you're dating and you break up with somebody and you think, oh, I'll never get over this. And then you do and you move on to the next person and you know that you can get over it, that it's possible. Um, I think about when I first started the group practice, I think the biggest 
hurdle with being a business owner is working working with the people in your practice. The I started in 2018. I hired my first contractor, and then that was in January. And then I hired a second contractor in March. And then by November, they were both gone. And I was so upset. Um, the first one left on okay terms. The second one was not on good terms, came in my office, tried to pretend like it wasn't a big deal, gave me her resignation letter. And of course, I thought we everything was great. I'd filled her caseload. She was doing awesome with her clients. And I was like, what's really going on here? Like, I don't, I don't understand. And then she really told me all the things that she probably should have told me for the past six months that was happening in our relationship that I didn't even know. Like, I was like, am I really this oblivious? I left, I went outside because I could not handle being in the office and I bawled my eyes out, like could not believe. Am I this bad a boss? Just totally questioning myself. I called my assistant who's like, I call her my work wife. She's just amazing. I called her. I was like, Oh my gosh, did I miss something here? What happened? And it took me I, I mean, months to get over it. And obviously, you probably still hear some of the pain in my voice. I still get sad about the fact that that happened. I had another employee, not even a year later, maybe. And, and she ended up also doing something kind of behind my back. And I ended up finding out about it. And I was like, this really has been happening. I didn't see this. So I failed several times. Mistakes happened. And that's okay. But now I've pushed through it. And it actually has created a better team that I ever could have imagined now. Like I, I love the team. The day that that first employee brought me her resignation letter, I actually was interviewing that day. So thank goodness the girl that came in for the interview right after that was awesome. And I hired her and she's still with me. Praise God. Cause she's wonderful. And so, yeah, you're going to have some failures and yeah, they're really going to hurt, but you're never going to get to where you want to be or even figure that out unless you have some failures along the way. Yeah. I think, one of the things I'm hearing as you're sharing is you you are really, really honest with yourself, but you're not self-deprecating. And so I feel like that really contributes to your success because you're looking at things for what they are. What exactly was helpful as you reflect on it and getting through the failure, getting over it? Yeah, I, I appreciate what you're saying. I hadn't really thought I was doing that. <laughs> I guess in my mind, I feel like I'm self-deprecating. <laughs> but um, when you're in it, I guess you feel that way. I mean, a lot of it is I rely on the support of other people. Like my husband is a rock for me. I tell him every anything and everything that I'm thinking. He probably thinks I say it too much, <laughs> but he's a real support for me. And then and that's in those situations in particular, my staff was a big support. When the second employee left, it was amazing how it really brought us together as a team. And they just loved me through the pain. And that was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And as I've kind of grown, especially like in the consulting world and like talking to you guys, realized that we all need each other. And so I actually was just on the phone with a friend before this podcast recording about something going on in, in her life and her consulting world. And so we really rely on one another because we can understand each other. And I think that's so important success that you're humble and that you're going to other people and letting them speak into your life because you're going to have these negative. I mean, we talk about this with our clients all the time. We have all these negative thought patterns. Well, then you have someone else speak truth. And can sometimes grab onto that a little easier. Yeah, if if I can grab onto that a little bit more, do you remember some of the things that you were saying to yourself? I, I know you said a minute ago, you know, like, am I a horrible boss? Um, do I know what I'm doing? Those kinds of things. Do you remember what you were saying to yourself 
when all everything sort of fell apart and then when everybody was supporting you and encouraging you, what did that change? What was that self-talk? What were you saying to yourself maybe towards the end of that? Hmm, you're asking about how I became different because of it. Is that kind of what you're asking me? Or maybe you're Maybe your response to that question that you're asking, right? You're saying like, am I a bad boss? And then what's your, what's your internal response? Mm-hmm. This is a good question. I guess I think to myself, I am a good boss because I'm genuinely looking out for their best interest. Part of it, I think, was me understanding the other side of what the other person was doing. Like that taking it personally, I took it very personally, like, I'm the reason these things happened, or that's why this employee made this decision instead of they made this decision because this is what they wanted, or they're not in a good place. So instead of it being about me knowing that it's about them, but also being really humble in that, that I can't take this on, like this is not completely me. But the horrible boss part, my employees are always telling me now what a great boss I am because they saw me go through such a painful experience. And I was Honestly, I was really raw with them about how I was feeling. And I do think a lot of times as, as bosses or as leaders, we think we have to hold it all together. And so when we can kind of be vulnerable and let go a little bit, it really can change the dynamic and bring a lot of unity to something. Um, so I guess my thoughts have changed over time as people have spoken more truth into my life and helped me to also see the other side of the situation. Thanks for sharing that. It's actually really encouraging because it sounds like, you know, an everyday person. I can absolutely see myself in that situation, questioning myself, doubting myself. But it sounds like that's kind of a normal part of the process when you invest so much of yourself into something is that you're going to question yourself first and you're going to make it about you and think, oh, what did I do? But then you work through that hurt and that pain to be able to see the complete picture. And it seems like from that perspective, it wasn't entirely about you. It sounds like maybe there are some things you could have done differently, but that doesn't mean you're a horrible boss. It means you just had a couple of things maybe you had to learn. And obviously there were some other things that these other people had going on for them in their lives that wasn't even really about you. Has it been easier for you over time to not take things as personally and to be able to see that bigger picture as you've gotten used to doing this and experience more and more failure? Like, do do you feel like it just sort of brushes off you? I think it is probably a little easier. It still hurts. Like there's still that experience of rejection. Um, With that being said, depending on what area of my life it's in, like if I'm experiencing rejection, this is the easiest thing I can think of honestly right now. So with the consulting, because it's a lot fresher, I've only been doing it for not quite a year. I'm probably going to feel a little bit more of a sting if I if something doesn't work out or I do something wrong. And then I have to like go back to, oh, I'm new at this. It's OK. I'm still growing, yada, yada. But um, I've gotten used to the rejection in my practice. And so I'm a little bit more OK with that, if that makes sense. Like I think about as as um, counselors, when I first started my practice, I would take calls and try to convince people to come in and see me for counseling And when they would schedule, it was like, hallelujah, like it was great. I was getting a new client, you know, and and the business is growing and yay, we can eat, you know. But then somebody said, well, I'm talking to other therapists. I'll get back to you or, you know, I don't think I want to schedule. It was so disheartening. 
right? I mean, and then I would all of a sudden go, oh my gosh, am I supposed to be a therapist? Should I have started this practice? Maybe this was a bad idea. Maybe I should go work somewhere else. And it would, it would just drive me nuts. Now I barely even know that we're getting people not scheduling. Like I know about it, but it's just like, whatever, like go wherever you want to go. There's enough business for all of us. It's going to be fun. I want to serve the people that are best met by my practice anyway. Um, so I hope that kind of makes sense. It's like the rejection just kind of changes over time. And you get kind of more used to the way to view it. I think things that's sticking out to me as you're sharing too, is that there's another half to this that we're not talking too much about. And that's just the reality of your competency overall, that your vulnerability kind of highlights to your employees, your competency as a human being and also boss. And you become much more trustworthy as you're, as you're sharing about what's actually going on. If you weren't able to pull off daily practices in your business, they, I'm sure they would probably just think you were maybe, I don't know, being a drama queen for lack of a better way to say it or something. And then they would just leave. But obviously, obviously, you know what you're doing or else they wouldn't stay there. And I guess I'm wondering um, in your with your training as a therapist, um, has that helped you processing through stuff like with your work, business, personal, has things like this come up? Most definitely. CBT is my go-to. Like whenever I start to feel a strong emotion and I say this with my clients all the time and then I have to keep saying it to myself, I feel a strong emotion, rejection, shame, you know, maybe it's an emotion I can't even label. I stop and think, okay, what's this emotion that I'm feeling? And so trying to label that emotion and then doing the CBT stuff. Okay, well, what's the distorted thought that led to that? And now I need to change that thought. Where did that come from? Family of origin stuff or whatever the case may be. And I am the other things about counseling that I just love that I do myself is journaling. I can't down has helped me process so much. And it's amazing. I keep talking about the importance of looking at the past to kind of point in the future. But I love looking back at what I wrote years ago. Or I remember when I first started doing some of the consulting and I would get kind of insecure or uncertain of myself, I'd go back and write about the things I said about becoming a consultant a year or two ago, or like how I felt like God confirmed that in different ways. And so the journaling, and I love dreams. I write down all my dreams. I look back at them. I use those to help me understand myself, help strengthen me and know my emotions moving forward. And so that's also another part of like being a therapist. I would have never have thought so much about dreams if I hadn't like been a therapist and understood how much that helps clients. And so that's another thing that I always am pointing to. So I got to ask, because I'm sure our listeners are going to be interested when you talk about dreams, is there either a recurring dream or a recent dream that you've experienced uh, recently that you would be willing to share and um, does it mean anything, whether it's, you know, just interesting and, and strange or maybe insightful. All right. Are you ready for me to be really vulnerable? You're totally ready. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We, so, we support you. And we love you. and We're not going to reject you regardless. <laughs> okay. So this is so funny that we're talking about this because Aaron, I dreamed about you last night. <laughs> this just so, got real. This got real. Okay. And I think that I know what it means, actually. And I actually journaled about it this morning. Um, so it's funny how y'all are talking about killing at camp. Because when I think back on sitting there at the table with you guys, I felt so insecure sitting there talking to you guys. And that's wow. so funny that I came off so different than that because I was very nervous. You guys are killing it in your practices. And like hearing about all the stuff you were doing with your employees and all that, I was like, man, they are awesome. Like my practice is not flowing like y'all are flowing. 
Um, so anyway, I had a dream last night about, uh, and there was a lot to the dream. So this was not the only part, but, um, it was of course COVID-19 and I like didn't have my mask and I was trying to like put my jacket over my face walking around. And then I remember seeing Aaron walk into a steakhouse <laughs> and I was with my husband. And I was like, there's Aaron. He's going to a steakhouse. First of all, I was thinking, how can you go into a restaurant during COVID-19? But I also thought he's going into the third steakhouse today. Like for some reason, I knew this was the third one you'd gone into. Right. Okay. So that's the dream. <laughs> so as I, and now I will tell you the dreamer struggles to analyze their dreams because we mask it. Right. Right. right? All this junk during the day that we deal with comes out at night. We had it all day long, but I think it has to do with the idea that I see you as successful and like, I love seeing the pictures of your family and like how you're doing. And so I think in my mind, you look like you've got it together. Like you can go eat at a steak restaurant and it's amazing. In fact, I think one time you posted a picture about eating dinner with your family and there were, it was like all these windows. And I was like, that restaurant looks so cool. I wish I could go there with my family. Wow. That's Quite a compliment. Thank you. I, I was interpreting simply that you know that I love steak. <laughs> Just straight forward. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I love steak. I, well, steak is great. And I mean, another part of it is just me dealing with my own family and um, that my daughter has special needs and just seeing other people's families and wishing that I could like do the things that they do. And so I have to like constantly grapple with being okay with this is my life I've been given. I'm going to love it. And my child's going to be different. And she, yeah, she can't communicate the way everyone else can, but I'm going to love her through it. It's still beautiful. And then I'm also going to celebrate that Aaron and other people are going to great restaurants with their families and all the kids are talking and they're having a great time. (laughs) Yeah. I I love that. You know, that speaks to something that we've talked about on some earlier episodes on the podcast and we'll talk about some more and that's seeing yourself the way other people see you and seeing yourself a different way than you see yourself. It sounds to me, and I, that totally resonates with me when you were at killing a camp, sitting across the table, I was seeing you a particular way that was very different from how you were seeing yourself. And even now you're sitting here telling me that you're seeing me a different way than I see myself. And I love what you said about, okay, I'm just going to allow what you see in me to be true along with the way I see me. And I'm going to enjoy both of those. I don't have to compare. I don't have to compete, but both can exist and we can just find joy in each other and encourage one another that way. Yes, it's so true. And if we don't have these vulnerable conversations, and I'm not saying you have to run out and tell everybody your deepest, darkest secrets, but I don't know. I learned over time that I was holding a lot in. And so I'm learning that vulnerability is key for freedom in our lives. And so once we have these conversations, we realize what we're realizing right now. And it's really a great thing. Yeah. Well, I feel like we've kind of traversed over a lot of stuff, even really vulnerable. We definitely appreciate that. I'm wondering if, if there, I want to say one thing, but there might be more than one that you've got, cause you've already shared more than one already. Uh, one thing that you want people to learn from you to kind of take away from all this. Mm that it's okay to fail and to accept the failure and kind of be in it, you know, take it for what it is. Don't just move past a failure because a lot of times we don't want to see that weakness. It's scary. It's harmful. It hurts, but that's how we find success. And that's how we find real freedom is when we just admit to it and move through it and accept it. 
Wow, that is so good. Thank you for both sharing that with us and modeling it with your story. I'm just really encouraged and inspired by you to both go out and do great things, but also to look at those failures and weaknesses and really embrace them and not take them personally. I really kind of find inspiration from you to try new things, but also to try not to take them personally and to try to see what I can see on the other side of those fears and those failures that will grow me and strengthen me. Because obviously, you've grown tremendously, and um, you're just such an inspiration. So Whitney, thank you so much for being on our podcast and sharing your story with us. Well, I appreciate it. And I always love talking to both you guys. So anytime that we can talk is a good time. <laughs> awesome. Well, maybe after you know a few more months or a couple of years, when you continue to take these giant leaps, maybe you're running for president. We'll have you on our podcast again hearing about that story. Well, I used to always say that as a child. So we'll <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> Thanks, Whitney. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening.